everybody. We are back with another edition of the Steeler Nation podcast. This is episode 11, and today we will be joined by Penn Live Steelers beat reporter Jacob Klinger. He did join us last week to recap the Steelers' victory over the Cleveland Browns, and we're looking to maybe get him as a guy that kind of joins us every Monday. As you know, our shows are every Monday to recap the Steelers' either either victory or loss and then preview the week after on Fridays and then in between is an exclusive episode if we get one with a Steelers player, NFL player, maybe a reporter interview. So you'll get more info on that. So tomorrow we also have a big show planned. It will probably be released on Wednesday or Thursday, but tomorrow we record it with former Super Bowl MVP for the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Santonio Holmes. So he will join us tomorrow. So that will look like to be a big show, so hopefully we get a lot of you guys check it out on iTunes again at Steeler Nation Podcast. And today we'll recap the Steelers' 26-9 victory over the Minnesota Vikings, positives, the negatives, how good the defense played, and how the offense is still struggling a little bit. But before we get into that and before we bring Jacob on the line, we're just going to recap the rest of the games that were played on Sunday. So obviously Thursday, the Texans defeated the Bengals 13-9. Texans moved to 1-1. One Bengals dropped to 0-2. Deshaun Watson got his first victory. The Carolina Panthers at home defeated the Buffalo Bills 9-3, an all-field goal game. As the Panthers go to 2-0, and the Bills go to 1-1. As the Bills almost won the game as Zay Jones dropped a game. Well, it was kind of a short pass, but dropped a game-winning touchdown pass that could have won the game. Obviously, the Steelers 26-9 victory. Steelers 2-0. Vikings 1-1 as Case Keenum was the quarterback for the Vikings this week. Patriots, after coming off a big loss to Kansas City, go out to New Orleans, and Tom Brady played absolutely out of his mind. And the Patriots defeated the Saints 36-20. to The Kansas City Chiefs moved to 2-0 after defeating the Eagles 27-20. to Eagles go to 1-1. Oakland Raiders with a 45-20 to win over the New York Jets. Jets drop to 0-2. The Raiders go to 2-0. The Broncos make a statement at home against the Dallas Cowboys, winning 42-17 to as Ezekiel Elliott, I think, had eight carries for nine yards, which was insane. <laughs> and the Broncos go to 2-0, and the Cowboys to 1-1. and Washington Redskins defeated the Rams 27-20. I think, I believe the Redskins are now 1-1, and along with the Rams now 1-1. and Tampa Bay Bucks played their first game of the season after their first one with the Dolphins was obviously canceled because of the hurricane. And the Bucks came out, their defense looked unstoppable, beating the, the Chicago Bears 29-7. to Bucks to 1-1, Bears to 0-2 which is the Steelers' next opponent. Arizona Cardinals went to 1-1 one one after a 16-13 overtime victory over the Indianapolis Colts. The Ravens, again, defense looks sharp for the Ravens. They go to 2-0 with a 24-10 win over the Cleveland. Deshaun Kaiser did have to exit the game with a migraine, so he did not finish the game up. The Tennessee Titans go to, I think, 2-0, I believe, 2-0, or 1-1, I believe, 2-0 with a 37-16 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars who go to 1-1. Miami Dolphins played their first game against San Diego with a 19-17 victory. Man, I feel bad for that Chargers kicker. Man, he's missed two key field goals to win the Chargers games, and if he hits those, they're 2-0. Instead, they're 0-2. The Seahawks offense still still continues to struggle as they get a win, but only win 12-9 over the 49ers. The Niners are 0-2. Seahawks are 1-1. And then, surprise last night, I mean, I did see the Falcons winning this game. But the Falcons come firing and beat Green Bay 34-23. to And obviously the Monday night game tonight is the Detroit Lions visiting, the 1-0 Detroit Lions visiting 
the 0-1 New York Giants. So in just a minute or two, we'll be joined by Jacob Klinger, 10 Live Beat reporter, to join us, recap the Steelers' 26-9 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. I almost had the score prediction right. I did predict 27-17, to so I was a little off there. But obviously, Sam Bradford didn't play. Obviously, if I had known that prior to my prediction, it probably would have been different. But all in all, a victory is a victory like I then said in the interview after the game. This isn't BCS. They don't rank you in any way. And 2-0 is 2-0 at the end of the day. So obviously the Steelers are going to be happy with the victory any way they get it. And the crazy thing is, which I'll get into more with Jacob, is the Steelers' defense has been playing very well. They have been playing like – I. obviously they've played the Cleveland Browns. Obviously not a great team. They played the Minnesota Vikings with Case Keenum under center. But the defense has played well. I'd, I'd like the DB play of last week or this week, yesterday, because it really surprised me based on the game last week. There was, Hayden was burned a couple times in the first week of the season, but I like the way he played this weekend. So now we have Jacob joining us on the line today. How are you doing today, Jacob? I'm okay, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. So just, you know, what were your, all, all in all, to start off, what were your thoughts on yesterday's game? Um, they're very, 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 very mixed. Um, the big thing for me is, is if you want to start with the good news, um, Steelers put up 26 points on a really good defense. Um, when you look back at the end of the season, I don't think you're going to see a lot of teams haven't scored that many points against the Vikings defense. Um, that being said, I think a lot of those points don't happen if this sort of ball control, clock management offense the Vikings live and die by uh, is actually functioning, which, again, the Steelers' defense deserves some credit for. But, I mean... Case Keenum is the poster child for, uh, or one of the poster children for, hmm, maybe there's something about Colin Kaepernick that NFL owners don't like other than his play <laughs> or style thereof. So, man, it, the, the, Steelers, the Steelers deserve plenty of credit for being 2-0 and and handling these opponents that, you know, sometimes have troubled them. Uh, typically not in openers, but in other games in the past, uh, opponents they should be that they struggle with or don't be um, they've handled pretty handily as one does with handling and um, you know I think they're going to keep getting results like this and when it comes to making the playoffs and getting seeding in the AFC for the playoffs um, it all shakes out the same there's some things we can nitpick at and I know we're going to uh, but this is very mixed because because it was a football game Right, and and I agree too because it's been a, di- a little different because the, obviously in the beginning of the season you would think the, with the Steelers' offense and all the weapons they have they would be winning most of the games. Obviously they have to put up they still put up the points to win, but the defense has been playing pretty well and having a big impact on both of those games. So you you got to think though it's gonna it's got to happen soon. They're gonna start clicking eventually, but you got to think once this team can get the offense going, get it a little more balanced. You got to think this team's gonna be pretty dangerous. Yeah, I do. And, you know, I've talked about um, over over on our website, um, 
balance for the Steelers doesn't necessarily mean, you know, running the ball 50% of the time and passing 50% of the right. time. I think right. balance for the Steelers are a lot of the time. And in this game, I think they were pretty close, right? But um, right. but I think balance for the Steelers means having Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant on the field at the same time. I know, agree. apart and, and, uh, and sort of sharing at a defense in that way because, um, you know, it's – Again, in a different kind of game, maybe Ben Roethlisberger going long on second and third and attainable uh, as much as he did last last uh, uh, is, <laughs> is a problem. But I think it is is part of what keeps the Steelers' offense in rhythm. It keeps the receivers in rhythm. It keeps the quarterback in rhythm. I mean, I don't know what it does for Le'Veon Bell. He still got the ball 27 times and physically seemed to hold up to it just fine. So. Um, yeah, as we talk about balance as the season goes on, it's a very coach-friendly and pundit-friendly word um, that can have lots of meanings or no meanings at all. Um, but I think for the Steelers' offense, more than in many other aspects, it means Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant um, getting involved in, in their various ways. Right, and like you said last week when we had you on, it's, we talked about early in that game against Cleveland, they were throwing a lot of screens to start off the game, and then in this game, they're going down the field. So they're, they're, they changed it up a lot in that. But honestly, it's like you said, with Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant, I think they, they did take a lot of shots down the field to A.B. There was a lot of holds, like you said, a lot of penalty yards. But don't you think just – just in order, I mean, the long pass is going to work. I like, I like them taking the chances on the field. But don't you think that we should see maybe next week Antonio Brown maybe down the middle a lot more to set up that long pass for Bryant or Brown, one or the other? Um, you know, most teams try to keep Brown to the outside. That's why you get so many of those, like, automatic first down routes that Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger have, have timed to such perfection. Um, so, I don't know. I think we're kind of splitting hairs in terms of where is Antonio Brown going to get his yards before Martavis Bryant gets his yards in, in such preferred fashion. You know, last week we were we wanted the Steelers to take more shots downfield, and now we're kind of carving on it. I don't think that's <laughs> I like the way the Steelers push downfield to set up some of the underneath stuff. Um, but it's not always going to be Antonio Brown, you know. Um, Xavier Rhodes is one of the best couple of corners in the league, and he had safety help, and he played Antonio Brown. The Vikings played Antonio Brown, I should say. Pretty well. In the way that most teams okay. do with the most success that they, they can have. I still think Brown won that matchup, as, as he is one to do. Um, but when that happens, the yards over the middle don't have to be through Antonio Brown. They can be through Eli Rogers, which they were. They can be through Jesse James, which they were. And that's kind of how the Steelers compensated for some good defense while still getting a lot of production out of Antonio Brown. Like, if you look at – I just have my very official box score in front of me. Um, you know, Antonio Brown was limited to 62 yards on five catches. Okay, that's fine. Um, but if you – and most of that was on the outside, right? But if you look at how the right. Steelers compensated for that, if you throw an extra 70 yards, which was the output of Eli Rogers and, and Jesse James almost entirely through the middle, onto his production, you say, wow, Antonio Brown had a great game. The Steelers worked the inside the field with Antonio Brown. Look, they hit up Martavis Bryant down the sideline, you know, on the near right sideline a couple times, uh, or the one time I should say, you know, good for them. Uh, but, you know, they got the production through other people, and, and frankly, I was fine with it. I mean, shoot, even Juju Smith-Schuster scored on that, on that funky little right. um, shovel pass there. So yeah, I don't have a problem games with in a row. and how they got their yards. Um, I think Ben Roethlisberger's accuracy gets a pass because he gets to go on that radio show that doesn't ask him any follow-up questions every Monday morning, or Tuesday morning, I should say, <laughs> and, uh, and say his receivers are in the wrong routes when they may or may not have. So, um, But, yeah, I mean – 
there's there's only so many hairs to split in this game. They they beat one of the best defenses in the league and uh, put up 26 points. They'll usually win you the game. Right, and also I wanted to ask you just when you were talking about Ben, what, what were your thoughts on Ben's play? Obviously, obviously Ben's not gonna obviously harp on that much, but Eli Rogers, there was a couple plays where he was open on third downs, kind of high throws. You know, what what were your thoughts on Ben's performance? I mean, it's kind of, to me, it's actually just like a hold of serve. It's a continuation of, of really the norm for Ben Roethlisberger in the past year or so. And I think sometimes people get upset when I when I express that observation instead of viewpoint. It's kind of just a fact. Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> misses some throws. Um, and I think that's partly due to the fact that I've only been on the beat the past couple of years, so I didn't see Ben Roethlisberger in his true prime. Um He's still not far from it, I don't think, but you know, part of him at his best still includes some misses. And as he gets older and his body breaks down, I think you're going to see more of those. When it's, whether it's because he can't step through passes or you know can't scramble as well as he used to, um, I think that's part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, on our site, penlive.com, we do a every Monday. I do rather than like a stock watch, like this guy helped this stock, this guy hurt a stock. Um, I, I like to look at who who helped their proverbial stock, like who improved uh, on their run of form, and who didn't. Not necessarily hurt it, right. but just you know didn't. They could have helped serve. They could yeah. have you know hurt their cause. But um, and so I included Ben Roethlisberger in the second category just because he was fine. You know, he he had a very not quite peak Ben Roethlisberger game. Twenty three for thirty five, threw a touchdown, no interceptions. Um, 243 yards is fine, okay? Um, I thought he could have executed a few more passes a little bit better. I'm sure some of the blame on some of those passes was on the receiver. I'm sure some of it was on him. And the ones where he missed, he missed pretty bad. But um, And that's just kind of where he's been the past few years. He's still one of the, mm, I'd say, top five quarterbacks in the league. Um, yeah. But these are things that he does, and he continues to do them. Before we get into more like the defensive side of things, like you were talking about, sure. your, where you write about just your kind of your your per se your winners or losers. Who on offense before we get to the defense were kind of like your winners of the the game and maybe the losers. Um, I had Antonio Brown um, because again, okay, five five catches for sixty mm, two yards. Not stunning stuff, but the way he did it and when he did it kept the game open for the Steelers. He did it against a very good corner, um, and it kept the Steelers' offense chugging along. You know, sometimes we think about, you know, the pace of an offense comes from the running back getting four or five or six yards at a time. Uh, with the Steelers, it can just as readily be Antonio Brown catching an out route for four or five or six or seven or eight yards at a time and converting on you know, second and medium or third and medium, you know, things like that. So um, I thought he was just a crucial part of the offense. And really his his performance against the Vikings, to me, was almost as impressive as his performance against the Browns, even though he caught half as many passes at half the rate at which he caught them in Cleveland. Um, I had Jesse James uh, as, as a winner as well uh, for similar reasons that we already talked about. You know, he kept the offense going through the middle of the field. Um, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure where his blocking is at. Uh, relative to, to some of the better blocking tight ends in the league. But he did have that one holding penalty, and it hasn't been a, a glaring problem yet. So I'm um, going to kind of give him the benefit of it out there for now. Um, I wouldn't say losers again because we very purposefully don't have an outright negative right, right. category there. Because, you know, in, in games like this, 
you know, I was sitting there last night putting this together, and I was like, man, who really screwed up? No one really messed up, you know. Like uh, right. Jordan Berry had a couple bad punts. Cameron Canada had a he snapped the ball too early one time. They both made the list. <laughs> um, but I had <laughs> had Ben Roethlisberger and uh, and Le'Veon Bell in, in the latter last positive category because um, the, the reasons I just mentioned regarding Roethlisberger and um, Bell, you know, I thought he kind of he you know, slightly more productive on average than he was last week. He carried the ball more than he, excuse me, was able to last week. Uh, but, you know, you could almost throw him in either category because the fact that he was able to carry the ball 27 times is, is encouraging. Um, and he did show some of that, you know, mid-yardage agility that really frees his linebackers and, and turns four-yard carries into seven-yard carries. But, you know, he's not all the way back yet, and that remains the case. And Mike Tomlin sort of spoke around that um, after the game. So. But, uh, right, yeah, that's basically get... the whole thing. You oh, should yeah. check it out, though, on penlive.com. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely check it out after the show, actually. No, I saw I, I saw your one last week, I, but I'll check out the one after the show. Did you post it on Mondays or is it after the game on Sundays? Mm-hmm. It's after no, the game Mon- or on Mondays? Mondays. Mondays, Mondays I'm sorry. Okay. No, yeah. So, anyway, when you're getting to Bell, you know, a positive sign, though, he did get a lot of carries and just averaging just three above three yards per carry, 3.2 or something like that, I think. But 87 yards, just just about 90, I guess you could say. He rounded up, I guess. But, again, it's sure. very good, a very good Vikings defense. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a plus. Got a, lot, got a lot of carries, but you got to think against the Bears. Hopefully, he'll, you know, snap out of it, get a, a – he, I mean, he didn't do bad. I can't say he did bad. He – did fine, 90, right. 90 yards, like I said, against a good Vikings defense. So he, I, I think I mean, there's going to be – I think the frustration for Steelers fans, I mean, this is, this is, we're, we're talking on a fan pages podcast, right, is is that right. the frustration is that people have grown accustomed to watching him average four to five yards per game when he dragged this team lock, stock, and barrel to the playoffs last year. I, I am – Oh, breaking records. Like, it, <laughs> breaking records along and uh, – on route to the playoffs and then within the playoffs and consecutive games. I mean, he had an absurd run and undeniably missing training camp and preseason hurt him. I mean, Mike Tomlin's not denying that. Um, any reasonable observer of the team is not denying that. Uh, the thing is, is you're seeing a couple average performances from him. Um, doing very on average things once he gets the ball past the line of scrimmage. Um, but but still, you know, kind of just closer to the to the mean sort of performances. Um, but there, so, so the missing training camp criticism, I think is fair and well-earned and relevant. Um, the are going to keep giving him the ball because the roughy Le'Veon Bell is still better than peak James Conner. Um, Roosevelt Nix or Terrell Watson or any of that. That being said, one of the criticisms that I've seen of Bell that I think is particularly unfair is, uh, you know, the guy starts to average less than four yards, excuse me, uh, four yards per game. And now he's slow to the hole. When what in January and December and and I think any time since we read thousands of masturbatory words about how he was redefining the position due to his patience to the hole. <laughs> like you don't just get to rephrase it and say it's a bad thing now. That's that's absurd to me. So um, yeah. So no, get your narratives right. Um, but no, he's he's behind a little bit, but um, not because he's slow to the hole. Like he's he's running exactly the manner in which he has done for all of his career uh, and at a slightly less productive clip. That's it. Right. I mean, 
yeah, and, and playing against the, uh, the Bears, the Bears next week. I mean, I, I that's a team that he could really break out against. I think obviously they kind of got, you know, beat down pretty bad this week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, now jumping more into defensive side, they look good. I, I know they're going against Case Keenum, but the DBs look good up front. Look good. I know T.J. Watt went down. I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But what were your overall thoughts on the defense? My overall thoughts on the defense were, yeah, it's pretty good. It was interesting. I remember in the locker room afterwards, I talked to Vince Williams about Dalvin Cook. They both went to Florida State, not at the same time, mind you. Um, and he said, yeah, you know, I think he's a legit NFL back, and he's here to stay. Um, and he averaged, I think, something close to five yards per carry against the Steelers. But the Steelers did a good job of making a team's feature back, a top, we'll say 20 back, probably higher, um, in the NFL not to find a game because of how they forced the Vikings to go away from him uh, and get into their passing game that they really were able to disrupt pretty solidly. Now, part of part of that problem is that Case Keenum has a tendency to throw passes that could be penalized for intentional grounding if they weren't just, you know, him being obviously not very good. Um <laughs> But but they were able to, to bleed some yardage and, and get away with it. And really, you know, when you went back and looked at the box score and said, oh, wow, Dalvin Cook averaged five yards per carry. That's crazy. They only got the ball 12 times um, because the Vikings were backed up enough that they, they couldn't, you know, risk him getting stuffed up the middle um, or, or trying to run him off tackle, which he was going to anticipate it um, too often. So, you know, I don't. I, I'm I'm generally impressed and continually impressed with this defense. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see when or if or the extent to which James Harrison gets involved because he didn't play at all. He dressed, but he did no snaps. Right. Um, so that that's that's an interesting little subplot to me. Yeah. But, well, yeah. What, what were your thoughts he, on that? No, they didn't need him. You know, he's good. Um, if the Steelers think Anthony Triccolo is better than him at this point, um, I would disagree in terms of overall value. But in the context that Triccolo was being used, where he was kind of switching sides or he was just, um, you know, spot duty for, for Watt, um, that's fine. I think I think Triccolo is a, is a more natural fit there. If you're looking for a starter, you know, you're just going to run two guys the whole time. Uh, I think there's probably a better case for Harrison to be that guy if Watt's going to be out for a long time. That said, it's September, and I've always sensed the Steelers kind of just wanted to preserve Harrison for the for the medium uh, run, so to speak. So um, that's fine. TJ Watts said after the game that this the left groin injury he aggravated had had been there for a little while, and he felt it coming. He should have just taken himself out sooner, and then it flared up, and and so he went. He said he thought it was minor, but uh, that's a pretty hollow word. So. Yeah, so we'll look to see that more, you know, during the week. So you definitely got to let us know what's up with that Watt injury. I certainly will. And Lauren Kirschman is over on the south side right now. Uh, she also covers the Steelers a little bit for us. Um, so she will have your updates. I think the locker room just closed. So uh, and hopefully we learn a little bit more about that today. If not, maybe Tuesday. And if not, definitely Wednesday. So. All right, cool, man. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But anyway, I, like I said, on the the DBs, man, I I th- I thought they looked, you know, I thought there was a cu- not there wasn't many big plays, maybe a couple, but they, they looked good. I mm. think they looked strong. Hayden looked pretty well too. 
Yeah, I think Hayden's grown into it. You know, he's one of those who knows what he's doing. Um, and, and as long as he doesn't aggravate those those injuries he's he's recovering from from the off season, then uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna continue to be a guy that just improves the unit as a whole. So uh, I'll be interested to see when the Steelers play a top quarterback with a top wide receiver uh, in terms of if the if the Steelers prefer to have Burns or Hayden shadow said receiver uh, or even take them out of the defense altogether to do so. But uh, up to this point, it seems like they've got two good corners. Um, and they just got to hope that Mike Mitchell's health holds up for the long haul. So that is where it's at. Yeah. A little thin to yeah, but it always seems when Mike Mitchell gets hurt, he uh, gets hurt for like a drive and he comes in after. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing is he's going to keep dragging himself out there. You know, he's, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's going to play. Um, he was cautious in the preseason, and then he's kind of had to make it happen for the regular season, and he's going to keep dragging himself out there every week. Um, but it'll just be, you know, a matter of his production. You know, but he's he's made it clear he knows like if you go out there and play hurt, and you're not helpful, people don't care. And if you sit out because you're hurt, people don't care. Fans are cruel, man. I know, man. I know. Especially when you have a when you have a fan website, and then so I think it was our Facebook page, and someone said like, was that was that you who posted even, the screenshot of like, yeah, the yeah, need to put Harrison and such and such at end, yeah. so that Dupree and Watt can play outside linebacker, and then Shazier can play safety because he's yeah. still too small to play. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, just I don't know. I guess that's what you get when. Fans don't like what they see. Like, I guess they can go run the team and make it right. <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, look, man, I understand having ideas. Uh, it's tough. It's why I think it's important to have reporters that aren't fans of the team, um, for better or worse. I got into, like, a bad, I, I got, I got suckered into like like fighting with fans on Twitter last night because I'm just a little mark, but. Um, yeah, man, like, you know, fans are going to be super down or opposed to negativity on a team when they're losing, they're going to be upset about negativity when the team's winning. Like, shoot, in any game there is negative and positive, and I think any coach, you know, with all their spin would, would admit the same. So, like, you know, it, it's worth pointing out that the Steelers haven't beaten a good quarterback yet this year. It's yeah, also I worth acknowledging there's not that many good quarterbacks in the NFL. So, yeah, you know, they, they they could get 10 wins without playing anybody terribly good. I mean, I don't know how Andy Dalton ranks in anyone's reckoning right now. It sounds like he's not too far oh, away from getting benched there. So, <laughs> I mean, how many – if we're going to throw around the word legit, how many legit quarterbacks are there in the NFL? 12? Especially, Maybe? yeah, especially in the Steelers' schedule too. Right. I mean, I thought Deshaun Kaiser was better than Case Keenum. He's just oh, a rookie. Yeah. He held on to the ball too long. What are you gonna do? <sighs> yeah, Case Keenum. He, that's what I thought with Case Keenum. They, they didn't. They didn't get. They only had a couple sacks, I believe. I think. Yeah. Well, Dupree had yeah, one. I think Vince Williams. Yeah. But he, yeah. he was getting the. He was getting rid of the ball fast. Fast. He was just dumping it off. Fast. He was falling down before Williams even got there. Oh yeah. He was right, under pressure, right, but right, he's literally yeah, tripping yeah. over his own feet. Right. Thank God right, he passed. No, yeah, but you know, honestly, they, since only with a couple of sacks, I still think the defensive front. Like, like I think Cam Hayward, he had a really big game yesterday. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
He was he was on my up list. Just as oh yeah, he was immediately sure. disrupted to the run. Oh yeah, and then um, have a lot of pressures that I don't think necessarily got scored as pressures, but that was the thing. Like we're kind of bagging on Keenum, and he deserves most of it. But uh, but a lot of those bad passes were because he was semi constantly under pressure, and that's what's going to help the secondary look good. And you get the sort of dynamic equilibrium between uh, the front end and the back end of the defense, and the Steelers win. For sure, and, and just like I was about to get into, like just like how we did on the offensive side, winners lose. Well, not we won't call them losers, but I know you had Cam Hayward not on there. Winners. Who else do you think you had on there? <laughs> uh, not winners, yeah. Um, like the fight the other night. Um, who did I have? Um, I had Hayward down. He did well. I had Dupree down for some of the reasons, so I did think he faded as the game went on. Um, I'm like, how do you lose on why defense? They have a team of nine points. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think my only my only proverbial non-winners, whatever, were on offense and special teams. So I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't. There was one play where Stephon Diggs was way open in case Keenum just didn't throw him the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like a blown assignment, but I wasn't sure who it was on, so I just I'm not going to grade a paper. I can't read all the way. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do you think? You yeah. know, I thought Mike Hillen had a pretty decent game. He a couple passes completed towards his uh, way, back. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he, well, he, no, didn't a, he didn't have a sack, but he brought down the quarterback and made him throw it away. So he had a good play there. Yeah, I don't the corner blitzes are fun, huh? Um Yeah, no, I mean he's he's right now he's the answer for them, a slot corner. I mean, they don't need William Gay. He explained to me after the game or a couple of days after the game last week that he had just come out of the Browns game because he had some cramps, but um yeah, man, he's he's holding it down. Stephon Diggs is no joke. I don't think he works too much inside, but yeah, I mean Mike Hilton helped win it. Uh, a, a relatively dynamic receiver core, at least one dynamic receiver. So, uh, again, I'll be interested to see how he does when the Steelers get some of the better receivers in the league or some of the better quarterbacks in the league. But this goes back to our point. You know, the average age of the starting quarterback in the NFL has risen by several years in the past few years. And, um, you know, part of that's, you know, credit to the guys that have, that have hung on well into their 30s. But the other part is, a bunch of bad quarterbacks getting games in the NFL right now. Yeah, and the Steelers are going to see, um, was it Mike Glennon next week? That's what we're going to see. So yeah. another guy out uh, there. <laughs> Mike, Mike the Truth Glennon, who I think is actually undefeated against the Steelers, right? 1-0 from his, from his game in Tampa. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I remember. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one of those classic uh, hashtag fire Tom when Tom like, can't be bad to you. Yeah. Hashtag undisciplined. <laughs> Coward never would have such and such trophy race baiting crap. <laughs> anyway. Oh yeah, but no, but anyway, so you know, to finish it up, I wanted to get you what did you hear on uh Alejandro Villanueva? I know heard I know he didn't have he didn't we play great he didn't play much at all because I hurt because of the illness. Did you what did you hear on Villanueva? I guess he was sick and uh yeah, my someone said he was sick going into the game and that, that he you know, that he got to him and then uh, kept him out and then in and then mostly out uh, of the game. So 
I would expect he'd be good for Chicago, um, unless it's a serious illness. But, I mean, guy fought in the Middle East. Like, I think he'll be fine for Chicago. Play left tackle. Definitely. <laughs> well, definitely, yeah. And for the Steelers, you know, now got to go. Not to make light of like his service, but I think he'll be okay as well. No, yeah, for sure. What's and that? now, you know, the Steelers. No, yeah, so I said for sure. And, you know, now the Steelers. You know, got to go next week, play against the Chicago team. I, I don't even know, like, what they are right now, honestly. Because, I mean, they played a close game with Atlanta somehow. I don't know how. But then got uh, really got beat down. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how uh, they go. Another on the non-legit quarterback probably on your list. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's a team that they really honestly should put down. But we'll see. Yeah, I think Glennon's probably a little better than these two. But no, yeah, I would agree. Still marginally, so like, I just it's, it's depressing, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> not a lot I of mean, quarterbacks out there. Well, we'll we'll see when they play Baltimore week four. Pretty much, we'll see. I think we can really see where this team really is, though. Actually, I mean, we will because that defense is so good. I mean, Flacco solid. Um, and I, we have to count him among the, the so-called legit. I've made a really bad category for myself here. But, um, but yeah, that's that's fair. Um, what is that? Not next week, but the – oh, wait. That's another no, week this. after, yeah. Right, okay. It's the week four. Four, is, four is Baltimore. That's good, man. I got some friends in the DMV. It'll be fun. Yeah, man. So, I mean, Jacob, thanks again for recapping the game back-to-back weeks. Really appreciate it. And if you can keep this going – are you down? Then hopefully you're down. And thanks again, my man. Yeah, sure thing. Feel free to check us out on penlive.com slash Steelers. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob underscore Klinger with a K underscore. Uh, and follow us on Facebook, Pittsburgh Steelers on penlive.com. It's a great little page and got some, some fun, lighter things for you there. In addition to my hard chomping analysis. Thanks again, Jacob. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Again, that was Jacob Klinger from Penn Live, Steelers beat reporter from there. Took some time today with us to break down the Steelers' 26-9 to victory over the Minnesota Vikings and kind of what to expect maybe next week. And the quarterbacks on the schedule, Pittsburgh, I did see he, he did tweet something out about the Steelers playing non-legit quarterbacks, which he's right. And if you look through their schedule, there isn't a ton, if you don't want to count Dalton, because he's really struggled. But all in all, Steelers are 2-0, and like I said in the beginning of the show. And I'll say it again. I tweeted it yesterday with Jacob. I think Bell is going to get it going, definitely, because this guy, he had 27 carries, 87 yards. He had four catches, four yards. So, yeah, he had one yard to catch. So, obviously, he got wrapped up with like a ton. It was so annoying being at that game and seeing Bell just, oh, man. He had – there was just one play especially. It looked like he was going to break it out a ton. Nobody around him got wrapped up by the leg. So, you know, I think Chicago is where he's really going to break out. He, this is a game that he should, he should, and I believe he will. 87 yards rushing against one of the best defenses in the NFL is not bad. So, all in all, it's 3.2 yards to carry. Not great. We're expecting – as Steelers fans, we are, we are kind of spoiled with it, expecting him to run for much more than that. But I think Bell's going to be back. I think it's just a sign. Obviously, he didn't play great, but it's a sign of things to come. And I'm excited for the rest of the season. I 2-0, 2-0. And, 
And I think we, we all we got to do is the red zone efficiency or just at least getting in to, we're into the Viking zone a lot. It, it definitely could have a whole different game. It could have been maybe a 38-9 to nine game. It could have been maybe a 35-9 to nine game. We start out the game 14 nothing. I kind of reiterated this on my last show with Chris. The Steelers, sometimes after losses, obviously they didn't lose to Cleveland, but sometimes after those types of games, they're coming to their home opener. The Steelers love to go out like firing. Like I, I trust me, as a fan and all you fans out there and writing for the Steelers, you know, I love it. Like I 14 nothing right off the bat yesterday, and then. It goes down. Not like they're going to lose, it goes down, but they kind of slow down, and it was field goals and more field goals, and the rest of the game was field goals. Three more field goals, yeah. Or, well, no, no, four. Wait, was it four? Hold on. It was like four more field goals. Oh, man. All I know is Chris Boswell had himself a day, even when he missed one. There was a penalty, made it. So, yeah, Chris Boswell had himself a day on the field goal attempts, but you fix those. You fix the red zone efficiency, you fix all that, and the Steelers could really be putting up numbers. Like I said with Jacob, all they really have to do is keep the balance within the offense. If they can get that, like Jacob was saying too, I totally agree with that. Not with Bell. Bell got his carries, 27 carries, and they still threw the ball a lot. So as long as they can limit all of the deep passes, limit all the screen passes, they have to keep a balance. They can't just do one of one or one of the other. So we've seen that the past couple of games, and I think that they're going to get it going. This defense has played well. We haven't really expected, obviously, we expected to have a good defense. We haven't expected our defense to be playing this well and keeping us in these games. So I think when the offense gets it going, which it will, because we all expected it to be winning these games, putting up 30 points a game. When it does, this team is really going to be dangerous, and I really think this team has a shot, very good shot, even with two great wins, wins or wins. 2-0 and at the end of the day. We're in Chicago next weekend. Again, you've been listening to the Steeler Nation podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Candelaria. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Steeler Nation, on Instagram, at SteelerNation.com. You can also find us on Facebook at SteelerNation.com. Search that up on Facebook, and we'll chat with you guys, the fans, your thoughts of the game. And again, have a good one, everybody, and we'll talk tomorrow. We'll talk more about the San Antonio Holmes interview. He'll join us tomorrow. We'll tweet that information out for you guys. And then we'll see you guys Friday as we break down the game against Chicago this weekend. Have a good one, everyone. This is the Steeler Nation podcast. Can I change? In the hills, deep off in the main. Eminem, we like candy cane.